Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about empty nest and career reimagination in midlife. Do you remember when you turned 50? I know it's kind of hard to forget. Or maybe you're in that lead up period to turning 50. I'll tell you, for me, it sure didn't feel like 40. I was excited and I felt really content when I turned 40. I remember really thinking about it. I remember I planned a big birthday party too, and I rented out a really nice pool hall, high ceilings, lots of space, good food, super fun. I love shooting pool, and I even made some really good shots that night. And my friends and family made funny speeches and sang personalized songs. It was a really good time. The first few years after 40 were okay. And then, not so much. I hit my big old five-year midlife funk from 45 to 50. I was no longer content with my job or my career. I started to realize I didn't really know what I wanted in several areas of my life. And my first kid was graduating from high school and moving out to university. There was more, but I'll spare you the gory details. (laughs) Turning 50 didn't have the same sparkle for me. Back then, I didn't feel the same way about celebrating either, so I totally relate to what so many women in the middle are experiencing. Anyway, like I was saying, the lead up to turning 50 can be tough. Turning 50 and dealing with your new empty nest can be a wake-up call that changes everything. That's what happened to my guest this week, Kelly Christian. Kelly's a woman who has owned her own private dyslexia tutoring practice for close to a decade but felt like life was turning upside down as she headed into her 50s. She knew she needed to make some changes, but she didn't know where to start. Kelly was surprised by the impact of many things that were changing in her life. Her children left home, her age and stage of life felt a little different than it had in the past, and she wasn't sure about the direction of her career anymore. Things in her life just seemed off. She felt confused and discouraged. Kelly also felt like everything was more like an ending rather than a beginning. And this was a huge conflict because she wanted to be excited about her life again. Kelly had been listening to the podcast for about a year and decided to reach out. Coaching helped her start to change her perspective, take more responsibility for her emotional well-being, and understand that her mindset could change to support the life she wanted to create she started to see that she did have opportunities that she just didn't see before. Adding more humor, compassion, and curiosity into her daily life also made a huge difference. Kelly also got curious about her career and what might be possible there. She carefully describes the process she went through and what decisions she ultimately made about her dyslexia tutoring business. Reimagining her life helped Kelly completely turn everything around. She applied mindfulness concepts and skills and took full responsibility for how she wanted to show up in her life. She realized how much power she actually had 
knowing her thoughts were optional and how this awareness would help her continue to grow into the woman she was proud and excited to become. Please enjoy this episode. Hi, Kelly. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hey, Susie. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. Oh, my gosh. I love that you were interested in being on the podcast because we really had such an amazing coaching experience together and you experienced so much transformation. So I know it's going to be really helpful for um, other women out there who are stuck to hear how things went for you. So the way I want to start this interview is to just to go back to when you were really stuck and looking for something. So we ended up being connected, but what was going on for you back then when you were searching for something? What was that like? So when I started realizing that something wasn't feeling right was um, I have two, I'm remarried. I have two biological kids that at the time, one was in middle school and one was in high school. And I have three bonus kids that were out of the house and on their own. But what, what I found happening was when my oldest biological child, my daughter, left for college, um, she wanted something very different, a really different experience far away from home. And so I live in Southern California, and she got a scholarship to play volleyball in Ohio, super far away. They love uh, girls that are trained in volleyball, trained in California. So, and she just wanted different, different weather, different everything. And what I realized leading up to her leaving was, um, and then when I dropped her off at school, was that it felt like a death. Mm. And it, it was like a sucker punch to the stomach that I didn't realize was going to start a bit of a, I don't know if spiral is the right word, but my thoughts started, started the thoughts moving, negative thoughts. Um, I missed her terribly. I, it really did feel like an emotional death because she was very independent. My son ended up um, after middle school, he went into high school and stayed here for junior college. But during, it was during that time with my daughter that I realized, okay, I had spent years working at their elementary school in the school office. I knew everything that they did. Mm. I was on campus and now things were starting to, it felt unravel. So, um, It was then that I, you know, I don't know how many years ago, but I found your podcast. So how about, how old were you then? I was was 49. You know, what's so, what's so interesting is it's like, we've got 18 years to prepare for Mm -hmm. the kids leaving ish, right? Yes. But to me, we're not prepared. And it's something like, it it reminds me of breastfeeding, how, you know, you read the books, you see your friends uh, breastfeeding, but when it happens, it's like, what the heck? No one told me it was going to feel so painful at the beginning. Like (laughs) I thought of my children as little barracudas. (laughs) I felt like just so, um, sideswiped, you know, just so surprised. And 
there are aspects of empty nest that I found really surprising too. Um, and I know it's different for everyone. And for some people, it's more painful. And for some people, it feels like a death. And a lot of it depends on your relationship and the amount that you were integrated into your children's lives. But still, I think that's what's so surprising is how surprising it can be. <laughs> yeah. A surprise. Seriously, it knocked me on my butt. I, I really didn't realize it would start me thinking about my whole life and looking yeah. because it was almost like I had my kids, I can almost visualize them being like a little blanket around me. That was my little comfort zone. I, uh-huh. I nurtured them and it, it was being stripped away. That's what it felt like. And I was, I felt exposed and I didn't have a strong direction as to what that would mean. That's so interesting also that you still had your son at home, but it was the relationship with your daughter that really started that off. Like I've seen too with um, the other thing that I find so surprising is the dynamic of the kids and how that really changes too with who's home and who's not home. And, and uh, I, the one funny thing, I know this is heavy. <laughs> I'll just share just in terms of the surprising thing. I found it really surprising what we needed to talk about with the kids to prepare them. And one thing I didn't think I needed to talk about was my expectation of communication. And I, I know that sometimes sons are different than daughters with respect to this, but I know that's a sweeping generalization. It doesn't really mean anything. It's really the kid. But I just thought, well, of course he knows that he should be connecting with me at least once a week. (laughs) Weeks went by and I thought, okay, let's just let him create that independence that he's looking for until I found out he was in the emergency room because of a post that one of his friends made on Facebook. And then I thought, that's it. How come he doesn't know he needs to let me know when he's in an emergency room? (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. I, and that it was such a good learning experience about expectations and um, and just what you need to talk about. But anyway, getting back to your story, I really hear what you're saying. And did it start to sink in when you dropped your daughter off or was it more when you started to settle in to the new normal? Because she was so far away, it started with the actual physical act of scouting out the campus in Ohio. Oh, wow. And sitting there, we sat with the the sports department head and other people. And I thought there is no way in heck this girl is going across the country. And I did not think she would do it. And she did. (laughs) She was so excited. So not homesick. (laughs) <laughs> that it was, <laughs> she, um, I, I think out of the two of my children, my son and I are a little bit more alike personality wise. And my daughter is more independent and is so strong and awesome. But it was, it was hard when I didn't feel like she felt that there was a, so much of a loss. She was just mm. excited to go conquer another hill, you know, yeah. a mountain. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And, you know, I was sensing that, too, with my kids. And I interviewed 
one of my sons about it, I thought, you know what, we're as parents, we're so focused on our understanding of independence and what this means for us and what we think independence means for our kids. I thought, what if I ask him? And it was a really fun interview. I'll, I'll post the link in the show notes just about uh, emptiness from the inside out. It's like, what mm-hmm. does it mean to him? What's going on in his mind about um, settling into this newfound independence and as, you know, freedom? <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of fun because for sure, we're not thinking about it until it almost feels like, yeah, they don't need us anymore. Yeah, I feel like I, if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, I might have started preparing a little bit more to make a way. One of the things that you worked with me on a lot when I was in the mastermind group was thinking about what I want and what I like and what I've always liked and allowing myself to go towards those things. So I think. I think I would have done that a little bit earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know it's such a crazy time. Okay. So you found the podcast. How did you find the podcast? Because, you know, I've been shocked. Some people don't have podcasts in their lives. And, you know, I think it's a party in your purse. Like I I just think podcasts are so entertaining. How did you find it? Yes. Well, I believe, I think your podcast was one of the first that I had ever listened to. And I had heard of the concept of podcasts. It seemed kind of foreign. And I started to search for 50s, women in their 50s. And somehow I came across yours and I listened to it. And it just really pulled me in because you were talking about it. It was like you were talking to me about some of the, there were so many different nuances just your child leaving, kind of looking at your marriage, looking at everything and thinking, okay, it, okay, I'm pretty much, I am kind of middle-ish in my life. Is this where I thought I would end up? Is this where I want to keep going? Yeah, it was really good to listen to. I, I listened to you for about a year before I reached out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was totally in your head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we were friends. <laughs> you didn't you didn't know it but we were friends. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love hearing what we do together. Like, did we go for a walk on the beach? What did we do? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we frequently walked on the beach, on the beach trail. That's where I would listen. Oh my gosh, I love that. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this this is really interesting too is that um a lot of times we don't even realize that those kinds of questions are reflection worthy because we haven't been thinking about them. We've just been pedal to the metal. Let's make the money. Let's establish the career. Let's launch the kids. Let's, let's have a life, kind of, but in that envelope. Yes. And then when that envelope changes, uh, we haven't shifted, adjusted, reflected. It's just kind of like, uh-oh, now what? Yes, very much. Yeah. So when you were in your 40s, and I think for you, you mentioned a lot, a lot went down in your 30s. Tell me a little bit about those changes, because that was a big shift for you as well. 
Yeah, when I was in my early 30s, I had um, two young kids and lived in Canada. My ex-husband was Canadian, and so I lived on the West Coast and um, ended up that he wanted to divorce. He went on with his own life and uh, found someone else. So I pretty much overnight found myself coming back to the States, to California, where I, where I grew up and spent the next, I don't know, 17-ish, 16, 17 years building, building a life. And I, like I said, I worked at my kid's school so that I could be close to them. I could, they could go tuition free. I could be close to them. No, it was very important to me to be the kind of mom that I wanted to be very nurturing and, and hands-on. So, so that's why when the kids started going away, I was thinking, well, what do I want to do? You know, I had started the process of moving away from working in the school. Um, my, my husband is dyslexic and I never really thought about it too much, but I had met a friend who was a dyslexia consultant and tutor. And she was talking to me about what it might be like, like that's what, or what she was doing. And I loved it because I've always been interested in just the human condition in learning and the part that I liked about working with dyslexic children is that you're coming from you yes you are working with children that struggle with reading and spelling pretty profoundly but you're helping to empower them so it's coming from a positive perspective so that's what I ended I made a shift to become a private tutor how old were you when that when that happened that was probably about 40, 48, 47, 48, right before my daughter, my daughter was in high school. I had left the, the elementary school and I spent, I took a year. Um, it took me six months of training and then I had a certification process. Um, and during that time I worked in my husband's at, at the office where he worked and I answered phones and did whatever to kind of help pay the bills. And then almost a year to the day that I left the school, I started tutoring. Mm, okay. So then as a, as an entrepreneur, you had your own, your own business. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So then you had your own business and then your daughter, and then how did you know uh, that you were actually in a funk? What was that like? Cause I can see it kind of, leading toward that. (laughs) So how did you know for sure? Probably the time that my son, he graduated from high school, went to junior college, and then ended up going away. He was in a five-year program for engineering and wanted to go to a four-year college that was, I don't know, a good six, five, six hours away from us. And so he went, he moved away in the hopes he went to a junior college for one of those years. Um, So he was gone. The house was super empty. And what I realized is my extroverted personality (laughs) was being sucked dry. (laughs) (laughs) I was home by myself with my dog. 
So, um, and I love working with the kids. I loved working with the parents, but it was then that I thought, okay, I think I need to do something because I felt, I, I was feeling very alone. Felt like I wanted to get back around people. That's one thing that I had when I worked in the school was that I was able to interact every day with a lot of people and kids, especially, but also adults. So, Yeah. Interesting. So how, what, what happened then that you went from, uh-oh, I feel alone. I'm not extroverted. Something weird is going on here and it's very quiet. <laughs> what uh-huh. helped you actually reach out? Because people can feel like they're in a funk for a week or five years or more, right? For me, it was five years. So kind of what happened to you that you thought, you know what, I am going to do something. I, and that's a really good point, Susie. I really appreciate the fact that you have been transparent to say that you were in a funk for a good chunk of time because, oh dear Lord, it, I, it does go for a, you know, it can go for a while and you don't, realize that it kind of feels gray and a little grayer and a little more gray and not so great. And I reached out to you. Like I said, I've been listening for a year to the podcast. You were having a retreat in Mm. Toronto. And at that point I had not thought about doing coaching, having working with you with life coaching. I was just going to come to the retreat, see what it was like. And then get fixed, or I, I don't know what I thought. <laughs> but um, but you and I, that I loved having the phone call that you have with prospective clients or whatever. We were going to talk about the retreat, and that. But it quickly, I quickly realized after you asked just a few questions that, wow, okay, there are there are quite a few layers here. I, I think. I need to explore a little bit more than a weekend retreat is going to allow for. Mm. I need to, and here's what it was. I was, cause I, I talked to you about this. I was worried. I don't know if I can invest, you know, in myself mm. where things are a little tight, but what I realized is when you want to, if you're hurting enough and if you are motivated enough, you find a way. And I joined the mastermind group mm. that you had, which was a small group of ladies where we could coach one-on-one, but we could also learn from each other in a group. And it was amazing. But that's when I called you to sign up for the retreat was when I actually shifted and thought, now I think I need something more bigger, you know, a bigger program. Oh, that was so important. And I think that you make a good point. First of all, I was stuck for five years and I can't even believe it. I didn't even know anything about coaching at that time. For me, it was 45 to 50. And I'm still in shock every time I think about it. But (laughs) anyway, it happened. Um, But also the call is really interesting too, because a lot of times the first call is the first step and it's different than just listening to the podcast. It's like, oh, I'm going to, where's, where's that lady's email? You know, like I'm going to, cause wow. we're walking on the beach. You're not clicking on a link. Like we're out and about it with the podcast in your ear. So you actually reached out and we had the conversation and as a coach, uh, I'm really good at asking questions and I'm really good at listening. So a lot of times these are questions that seem so obvious, but you haven't asked these questions yourself. 
and no one's listening either. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's giving yourself a, a, a little slice of sacred space to just be heard with somebody who's really good at listening. And yeah, those calls, they're no obligation calls. I want uh, somebody to feel like they've made a really great decision. They feel really good about the decision. They're, I'm not, there's no pressure. It's not pushy. It's just, yep, this is who I am. This is who you are. And this is what I think is going on with you right now. And then, then the ball's back in your court. Do you think you're a good fit to do this kind of work together? And you did. And I was so thrilled, too, that you wanted to dive right in and get on a plane. What was that like? <laughs> um, well, the first step, um, what I did get to attend the retreat in Toronto. So for me, that's going across the country into Canada, which was exciting. And it scared me to death <laughs> um, because not so much. I mean, I've flown alone before, but I think it's more of what it represented. Yeah. That, wow, I'm really going to do this for me. And it feels really uncomfortable right now, but I can do this. I, I can do it. That was amazing. Yeah, those um, were the days where we left the house and we flew uh-huh. and we had <laughs> retreats. <and laughs> those days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was exciting. And I think for you, it was really symbolic because the phone call was uh, you didn't have a lot of time to plan for that trip. I forget the exact timeline, but it was kind of like you're doing this. You made a really bold decision and you put your ducks in a row and you got on the plane and you went. Did you need to get your passport updated? No, thankfully I had it uh, okay. updated. Um, and thankfully I have an awesome husband who realized he could tell that I was going through emotional stuff and he just he w- was allowing me that space without making it difficult. So that I'm super thankful for that too. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's so yeah. good. So you did have a thought that was um, really negative that we laugh about now, but it was not laughable at the time. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Are you talking about <laughs> the abyss? That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Okay. So, so I specifically remember us talking about when I, in my mind, look into the future, what does it look like? And I told you it looked, it looks like a black abyss. I couldn't, I was just so discouraged about myself and not, not knowing if I was, you know, it just didn't seem really hopeful. It felt like more the end of things rather than, okay, this might be a time to start some things and get excited about something. It didn't, that didn't feel like it fit. Yes, that's exactly it. And you know, the emptiness thing for many of us does feel like an end, but it really can be a beginning. And, and one of the things we talked a lot about is that, yes, there's a part of your parenting role that is going to be different, but it doesn't mean that you're that your relationship is over, your kids just need you differently. And it's an opportunity for you to figure out and nurture and create the relationship that you want with your young adult children. So true. That's really important. And part of it for me was you helping me to understand about the concept of emotional adulthood. Oh, yes, that that, that one's fun. 
Yeah, the the goal to get to the point where I realize that I'm responsible for my well being. Yeah. yeah, especially like when we're we're talking about my kids. Even even you saying a little bit earlier that you needed to help set the expectation your expectation of communication with your son. My daughter has been out of the house. She she lives in another state, and I'm thinking. I should probably do that. I have not really taken ownership of that part of it saying, Hey, this is what I would like, you know, that's exactly it. And, and I think we, for, we forget, or we don't think it's important, or we're just not used to asking for what we want. It doesn't mean it's manipulative. It's just deciding what you want and also being active and intentional in the way that you show up in the relationship. And, and that's really, you know, when you think about this emotional adulthood concept, the opposite is emotional child. An emotional child is when, and, and all of us find ourselves thinking this way and acting this way, when we blame other people and things for our emotions versus just really appreciating that your emotional well-being does come from the way you're thinking and you have total uh, control over what you're thinking. So if you think your kids are leaving you, it's going to make you feel one way. If you think that it's an opportunity to learn how to relate to your kids, your young adults, um, as an opportunity, that creates a very different feeling. So how did that impact you? That, well, um, in terms of the way my thinking was, you know what, I think that's probably one of my biggest takeaways. From working with you is that I have the choice. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, my thoughts are optional. It's not set in stone. And you help me understand that I, I can pull out what is the actual fact of what's going on. And then I can write down what I'm thinking about it and then take a step back and look and think, hmm, is that thought serving me? Do, is that pushing me in a good direction or not so much that seriously every day. I, I still use that. It is huge. It's a huge concept. They don't teach you this in school. We don't really get it. We think that every thought that pops in is real and it's not that it's not real, but it doesn't mean that that's the only way for us to think. (laughs) And it is optional and taking and just looking at it with humor and with compassion and, and real curiosity and just asking yourself these questions. It's so interesting. And, you know, I still find myself thinking things that are surprising. And that's the point is once you shine a flashlight on your brain, you're going to see all kinds of things up there. And then you can decide what's serving you or not. That's such a good way to look at it. And I'm so glad that you learned a solid skill and are able to use it always. It's so rewarding for me to hear you say that and to reflect on it. So good. Well, that was the awesome part about you and maybe the distinctive between you being a coach versus my friend. Yes, I, we are friends and I love you, <laughs> but you were acting primarily as a coach that would care about me, but could also have that objectivity and stand back and help you told me I'm going to shine the light and then you can take the next steps. You decide what you want. And that's so helpful because 
sometimes I think if, if I surround myself with my good girlfriends, it's awesome to get the, oh, you know, you're so right. And, but truly, sometimes you need to have someone objective come in and say, well, have you thought about it this way? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, the other area I wanted to talk about a little bit with you that was fascinating to watch you grow and navigate forward is the way you handled your career. So when we met, you were a dyslexia consultant. And the one thing that was becoming really clear to you was that you were, as you mentioned, feeling alone and you were reflecting, you know, really fondly about the time you spent in the school and how much you liked being part of a team and having a role there that was very welcoming and communicating with all the parents. And you really loved that. And now you were in this situation where you liked your work, but you were very much alone. And we identified that as something that was really missing. So what happened next for you with your career? Well, I went into a period of, for lack of a better word, researching different areas. Um, One of the things I remember you coaching me on was think about what what possibilities are out there, but not how I would get there. Yes, because because the how, ooh, the how closes down. Yeah, because I think at the retreat we had talked about, I remember I was discovering things that I've always liked. I've always been good at. I like organizing. Um, Even when I don't mean to, I organize and I like beautiful spaces. So it got me thinking, well, maybe maybe like a a personal organizer. Maybe that might be the type of thing I want to do. Or I've always loved fashion. Um, and I love working with people and helping them feel better. And so I thought, well, maybe I could work and be a stylist, a fashion stylist or something. So I was thinking that I would probably need to go in a, I was, I was looking at directions that were really different than what I was doing. Dyslexia, I was kind of jumping out of the ship because of the wanting to be around more people. And so during that course of research, I found a position at a small school and I would be able to be one of their dyslexia specialists working in a small group situation. And I needed to do training, probably a good solid, very full five months of online training. And then I would begin a practicum. So that's the route that I ended up going in. Um, It was so fun to watch though, because one of the things that is really hard for women our age to do is to explore with curiosity. So hmm. I took you through an exercise where we really looked at all kinds of things in your life from different angles to try to find these clues of what was really joyful for you and what you really wanted. And I remember this thing about you being a stylist, even when you were talking about it, you didn't appreciate how different it was in the group of women when we were together at the retreat. Everybody saw it. They saw the way you lit up when you were talking about it. And you had so many examples of how you enjoyed beautifying space and clothing and and all of it. And it was just so fun to point these things out and for you to just consider opportunity and possibility 
without answering the question, how am I going to make this happen immediately? How am I going to earn a living? It's just to play and explore and just use those things as clues. And during that phase, you're right. That is when you started to um, think, oh, well, maybe I could do dyslexia um, support and, and help and, and all the work I do in a situation where there were more people. So you were looking into all of these. And then yes. the one that you pursued did require more training. And that was a big hurdle. And that's a common hurdle that women our age have too. It's like, oh my God, could I really go back to school? It's going to be so hard. Am I capable? Uh, I don't know about the money. I'm not comfortable spending money on myself like this. It's like all of right. those things bring up all of, all of the things, but you also spent time with an organizer. You, yes. you also followed up on some stylist types of jobs. It was just so much fun to see what you were finding. What was that like for you? It was actually very freeing to have to have you kind of coach me in this way because it, it was amazing to see my thoughts shut me down Ooh, because yeah. I would start, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would start to make a list of things that I was interested in and then, okay, what would the next step be? And I found like I was coming up with busy work, supposedly researching this, but, <laughs> but it wasn't really going to take me further. One time that I, that I was kind of proud of myself was I had been looking into the organizing, the professional organizing in a, in a home situation, because I really like clean spaces and I like making things look better. And so I looked online at a professional organizing, I guess it was a group, a membership group. And I found a woman in my area and I called her and asked her out for coffee. And she was my age and was so, I'm so thankful, so willing to talk to me about all of her business, what she did, how she started. It was amazing. And then I actually, I decided to volunteer and go for a day, just volunteer my services and work side by side and see what it's like. And that was awesome. So great. Like, how would you know if you didn't do something like that? Yes. Well, and in that one little instance, I realized, oh, okay. (laughs) There is a lot of awesome organizing, but it's also a lot of alone time. And that's not necessarily what I want to do. So maybe what I can do is have this new love of organizing and I can kind of spin it personally and with friends. And I've done that. I've helped reorganize kitchens our friends. Um, so it's a personal thing, but it's not professional, but I love oh, that is, that is also a, a great solution because oh. really what you're doing is identifying what you love. And then the question is, how can I have more of it in my life? And sometimes it's professional and sometimes it's personal, but what we're really looking for as we create an intentional midlife and beyond is that combination of stuff that when we're intentional about it, it's, it's a great complement, it's a great balance, and we have what we need, and we have what we want, and that's perfect. So that's exactly what it takes. It's like you have to get the information, you have to do your research, you got to figure out, is this a good fit for me? And there are many ways to do that. Sometimes just looking up job descriptions, you get a reaction, and sometimes a coffee date and some volunteering 
speaks volumes. So that was so, so good. So you ended up taking the course and getting Uh hired at that school. What was that like? It was, I started the online course in January of 2020. So that was right before the pandemic really went into full gear. And I was very concerned that, oh my goodness, all my plans might just come tumbling down. I had made a six month plan to finish up tutoring, which is when I would finish up my online course. And then in the summer, I would start my practicum. So for a while, I had to be able to sit in some very uncomfortable ground, because I thought I don't, you know, with the pandemic, the school had gone to virtual learning. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if they would have a summer program. But anyway, all that to say, I passed the online course really strongly, and then started with their summer program, they ended up having an in-person summer program. It was like a pilot program with the pandemic to Mm. see, okay, how are we going to walk this out with the protocols? So I did that for a month and then started in the new school year on the campus. Wow. And what did you notice? Did it feel like a good fit? I mean, I know it's kind of hard with the pandemic changing so many things in schools. But did you feel that now armed with these new skills and this new credential, did it seem like the right direction? It felt awesome with the new, with the new information, because it was kind of adding to what I had known, kind of like a different flavor of what I had known. Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay with dyslexia. And so, yeah, so I decided to make another change. But look at that information you got. <laughs> you got some clarity because you tried something yes. else and that helped you figure out what it was that you really felt passionate about. Yes. So what did you so, do? So interestingly enough, I came back to having a private tutoring practice. I expanded because of COVID to take remote tutoring students. So I've got kids from, you know, not close by. And it just renewed my passion for it, for the subject of what I do. And what the the people part of it that was missing, I realized I need to make that up, but maybe in a different way. Maybe it's not in my day-to-day work. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is so amazing that you you really explored. It was a little challenging. You had to always remind (laughs) yourself to just be open, just be open, be open. But you explored even taking training, even getting hired by a, uh, like a, I call it a J-O-B, like an Mm -hmm. (laughs) outside institution. (laughs) And then it was through that experience that you rediscovered your original passion for dyslexia And you went back to the business. You went back to being at home with your dog. And uh, but I guess the the fun wrinkle that you probably didn't even think was possible was online dyslexia tutoring. Yeah, super um, exciting. And I think because of what has has gone on with the pandemic, parents and children, their views of 
remote learning has has shifted where maybe in the past they might not have wanted remote tutoring now it's very much a viable option and there there are so many resources you know for when you're tutoring that's amazing so what have you discovered is a the route to go um to get more people in your life Funny that you should ask that. Well, I have a group of women that I'm friends with, and I've just made it a point that every week I'll make one or two lunch dates or a walking date with them. Um, I've also thought about maybe down the road working with some of the women that I know that are maybe a little bit behind me in stage, like coming in their mid forties and I'm, and just having a a women's get together and talking to them about some of the concepts I learned with you, having coffee and working through things. So, and I'm actually, the rubber is going to meet the road because my son has with the pandemic, he was home for a little over a year. He's just graduating from university and got hired on. So he'll be leaving. So it's, I'm I'm experiencing it again where, (laughs) okay, he's leaving. So I get, I get a chance to, stretch those muscles. Wow. So I, uh, what you're doing is being very intentional about your needs and being very intentional socially. And that's another area where we wait. You know, if you think about your groups of friends or even people in your extended family, usually there's somebody who takes on the organizer role. And what happens is we kind of take that for granted. So, oh, that person is just going to take care of planning the next dinner or, oh, I'll just wait to be contacted until somebody has a good idea about what we're going to do together next, right? But this idea that maybe that person could be you and maybe it's not Mm -hmm. okay to wait and complain. Maybe you just got to take care of business and get what you need and organize in a way that suits you. Somebody can always say no. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, at the end of May, I have a natural break in tutoring, which is like a week to two weeks in time when kids are getting done with school. And I was supposed to go on a trip to see my daughter and that didn't work out. And my husband will be gone. So kind of like what you said, I called two of my girlfriends and we're going to have a little staycation at my house at the beach and wow. go for walks. And, and I did stir that one up. So, and I don't know if I would have done that before. Wow. You probably wouldn't have because you weren't as clear on what's important to you. And, you know, if you, if you wouldn't have done anything, you'd just be sitting by yourself and maybe feeling sorry for yourself with this beautiful opportunity that isn't being maximized. You know, it's part of that emotional adulthood is really just owning it, just owning it. So things have really turned around for you. What was your favorite part of coaching now that you think back on it? It was feeling the freedom to think about things that I like or that I used to like. Things that I thought weren't relevant, but Mm -hmm. they are. And they bring so much color to my life. They bring you know, so much joy and that almost like that you were giving permission that it was okay. Wow. Isn't that amazing that you couldn't give that permission to yourself? And again, that's so common. We feel alone in this phase of our lives, but 
because I'm in a position where I'm talking to so many women, it is you're never alone in what's going on. If there, it's so common, the experiences we have, we just don't necessarily have a format or a venue to hang together and to learn from each other. And that was why I ended up creating the Finally First Club, a very accessible mm-hmm. online membership for midlife women. Um, I call it your one-stop shop for coaching, community, and connection. And to just have a place where you are with like-minded women, your friends aren't always like-minded. We're like-minded in certain aspects of our life. But in this community, everybody is interested on, we're interested in growing. We're interested in growing forward. It was through the work that I've done in the mastermind group that you were part of and, and in the private coaching. And I just realized that this type of a community was really necessary. And it's a lot of fun. So how can somebody get a hold of you if they are interested in getting some dyslexia tutoring? Well, I, I think the best way right now would be to email me. And it's my first and last name, Kelly Christian, three sevens, seven, seven, seven at gmail.com. So awesome. I'm going to I'm going to include that in the show notes. Oh, perfect. And yeah, so that's great. kellychristian777 at gmail.com. I know that there is a website coming which is exciting. And one thing that I don't think we've talked about yet is that you that you don't just help children with dyslexia. Right. So, um children I would say are my primary market just because their need is pretty glaring. But I have worked with young adults. I've actually worked with women older than myself that because dyslexia is something that you have for a lifetime. You're born with it. It's a, it's a different way of processing that your brain is processing. And so for some people later in life, it becomes very important to, they never got the chance to learn mm. the skills and learn in a way that they could understand our language. Wow. You know, I'm kind of in the mood to call this episode how Kelly got her groove back. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> That's awesome. I might have to do that. <laughs> Kelly, this has been so great. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with me. Not only are you doing amazing work in the world, but you rediscovered your passion. You confirmed your passion. You're no longer spinning about what you should do. And you know what you're meant to do. And anything else that you want to do, you realize it's your responsibility to create it. You launched a couple of kids. Things are looking pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me, Susie. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait till I have another retreat or training or something in Southern California because Kelly knows where to get the best chips and guacamole. And I can't wait to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Kelly. All the best. All right. Bye. Okay. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed meeting Kelly. I love how authentic she was when she shared her story and how it really works to slowly shift your mindset, learn to think differently, and open yourself up to possibility. Learning to separate out the what from the how can really change your life. 
If you try to think outside the box and imagine what opportunities there may be for you, or perhaps a new goal, and immediately shut yourself down by thinking negative, limiting thoughts, it will be hard to get anywhere. It will be hard to grow. But when you allow yourself to take tiny steps and just think about possibility, something almost magical happens. You get more comfortable with the exercise, and before you know it, your brain will solve for a very different problem, a more useful one. Curiosity for the win, that is for sure. If you would like to give this sort of an approach a try, I have a free worksheet that you can play with and get started. It will help you just focus on moments of joy throughout your life. And like Kelly said, it's fun to just give yourself permission to think about what you can learn from focusing on what you really love and have always been good at or attracted to. So head over to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash passion project 50. The link will be in the show notes too. All right, as you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck about aging, about empty nest, about relationships, about your career, and about being more compassionate toward yourself, about all of it. It's time to get excited about your life again. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I am here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. Learning the mindfulness concepts are one thing, But when it comes to applying the concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. If you want to go from I wish I had to I'm glad I did, let's coach. I can help you grow faster with private coaching. You'll see the connections and insights more clearly. Head over to www.talktosusie.com and check out the options and apply there. You can also join the Finally First Club. We're waiting for you. It's my monthly midlife membership that's your one-stop home away from home for coaching, community, and connection. You can finally get that fresh perspective, learning and growing in a community of like-minded women that will help you sail into your next chapter with a big old smile on your face. Join us now at www.iamfinallyfirst.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com and to get a copy of my new book, 50 Ways to Celebrate Life After 50, check out Amazon or your favorite online bookseller or go to www.50waystocelebrate.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.